Got your sermon notes this morning? We are in season two, starting today, episode one, call it season two of the John series. We started last year. We spent 23 weeks in John last, last year, and we're going to jump back into John this year. Now, notice in your sermon notes, I give you a little freebie this week. Uh, I gave you the uh, passage in its entirety in your notes. I'm not going to keep doing that for you uh, because I want to, you to get back in the habit of having your Bible with you, open in front of you, engaging with God's Word and working through it on Sunday morning. So we're going to continue in John. We'll take one or two weeks off for different things, but we're going to be in John almost every week for quite a while here till we kind of finish up or get close to the end of this book. Now, there's a few passages we won't hit or we'll skip over, and I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to give you resources on how you can study those on your own. In fact, uh, parents, if you have kids at home, I'm going to encourage you, work through the passage with your kids. You can just cut out a couple questions and a couple themes if you think your kids are too young for that. But there'll be plenty of material that you can work on your own with your kids. So, uh, so we're going to jump back in. We're going to go in John chapter 12, which is where we finished off last year. And instead of giving you a, a whole overview of all of what we went through in chapters 1 through the beginning of chapter 12, John so nicely gives us these few verses at the end of chapter 12, which really summarizes Jesus' message that he's been sharing up till now. Oh, he said lots of things. But this summarizes what Jesus wants to really share with people. And so he kicks it off with this phrase, Jesus shouted. Now, do you think Jesus much as a shouter? We don't. In fact, we think, oh man, Jesus shouted. What's up with him, man? I thought he was like kind and meek and gentle and all that kind of stuff. But here we get this phrase, Jesus shouted. In fact, the word is, uh, is krazo in Greek. I put it in your notes so you would remember this. Uh, and it means this, to cry out or with passion. Do you ever cry out anything with passion? Oh, get in here and get this room cleaned up. You know, that's with passion, right? You ever do that, parents? Yeah? Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. This shouting or crying out with passion, right? They're shouting like, hey, Mike. And he goes, what? I can't hear you. And they go, Mike. Like, that's, that's one form. That's really not what's being, uh, happening here. Jesus is crying out and shouting this with passion. With passion. There's something about that. Why, as parents, might we go to that level where we cry out with passion? Usually, we say to our kids, hey, can you clean up your room? Right? That's how we start. It doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't get done. You know, it gets messy or whatever. And what do we do? We keep elevating our passion, can we say, and how we speak it. Well, that's very similar to what Jesus is doing here. Now, sometimes as parents, we lose control. I don't think Jesus is at all. Jesus up till now has over and over and over and over been sharing the message of these few verses. Since the beginning, he has been sharing this over and over and over with them. And he's like hitting this crescendo point where he's saying, I want to passionately make sure you understand what I'm saying. And we get this shouting, this raising, this crying out type of passion. This message that he's going to speak here. Do you know where uh, we get the word crazy from? This word right here, crazo. We actually get the word crazy because you might look at somebody who's passionately shouting, right? And you might go, ooh, they're a little crazy, you know, a little cuckoo today. 
And so we get this idea that Jesus is very passionate about what he is speaking of and what he is saying. And what he's going to share here is he is going to share, guys, you got to understand, when you see me, you get to see God himself. You get to see God. You get to connect with God. You get to understand God when you see me, when you understand me, when you know me. He's going to say it over and over and over again. I thought we'd ask a question before we continued much further. What's your life crying out for? Like, what are the things that you get passionate about? For Jesus, it is showing people the Father, showing people to God. What do you cry out for? What is your passion? Last night, Duke played North Carolina. We go through this every year, right, here in North Carolina. Not being one that has a dog in the fight, you know, it's much more peaceful for me to sit back and watch, right? But there's a lot of crying out when it comes to that game and that series, right? It happens throughout the game, maybe beyond the game. Maybe it's still happening this morning for you. I don't know, all right? But that passionate crying out, what is your life crying out for? For Jesus, he's going to repeat the message. I want to connect people with the Father. I want to connect people with God. I want people to understand God is not just for the elite. God is not just for the pious. God is for you. He's here for you. And I think the same message rings true for us today. For you and your life to be reminded that God is here for you, wants to commune with you, speak to you, sometimes convict you, but also for your friends and family that don't know him, that you might be able to point them. That is what Jesus is passionate about. So let's just look at this message again that he's repeating over and over up till now. And you might pick up themes. In fact, when I asked uh, Leslie if she might read it, she said, I think I read this one in church before. I'm like, no, I don't think you read this one. But you read this theme probably because this theme shows up multiple times. So let's just take a look at it uh, if we would. First thing Jesus uh, says there, he repeats his purpose. He says, I come from God. That's, that starts in verse 44b and 45 where Jesus is saying, I come from the Father. If you see me, then you see the Father. In fact, he says it this way. And this is very interesting not to speed past. He says, you don't believe in me you believe in the one who sent me. So if you look and say, I want to be a follower of Jesus, I want to follow Jesus, Jesus says, no, it's not me. I'm a vessel. God sent me for a purpose so that you can follow him. You can be a follower of God. Now, that may not make a lot of sense to us today, right? Because we've been Christianity for 2,000 years. All of the songs we sing are about Jesus. We talk about Jesus being our best friend, Jesus being in my heart, and me and Jesus but you have to understand, for them, they didn't have that concept at all. They had a desire to be connected and be right with God. And there were so many things around them, especially the people that Jesus talked to, where they felt like, we're not right with God. We're unclean. We don't have fellowship with God. We're put out. There's barriers. There's things that we think we have to do that we can't do. And so they felt disconnected from God. And here comes Jesus saying, well, guess what? God sent me. If you understand me and follow me, you're going to understand God and connect with God. Do you understand why the religious leaders would be so upset with that message coming from Jesus? They're like, Jesus, you don't have any right to tell people they can commune with God. That's our job. We'll tell them if they commune with God or not. And Jesus says, no, no, no. It's for everyone. 
Listen, there is even in our day today, numbers of people who feel like there are barriers up for them to be able to commune or connect with God. For them to be able to be even welcomed into God's presence to connect with him. Some people feel like they got to be totally cleaned up. And maybe even the message of the church has pushed and preached that. You got to be sinless. You got to be perfect. Then you can come and be with God. Not the message of Jesus. And so Jesus is sharing over and over, come to me and you will see and understand. When we sing here in this presence, we're singing about the presence of God. Isaiah chapter 6 speaks about this presence. And you remember when in the vision, Isaiah, like that guy can't, I mean, he's having trouble even looking up above the steps to see God because God's glory, the realness and the presence of God is so powerful and so consuming. It was hard for him. That's the presence of God that invites us to have fellowship with him. So Jesus says, that's why I came. In fact, he says it this way in the next verse, verse 46. Take a look at it. I came to be a light in the darkness. So now he's describing this time there's darkness here and you can't see God. And I came to be a light so that you could see God, so that you could understand how to have fellowship with God. Jesus came and he said, look, I came, there's darkness. I came to be a light. So if I'm like, man, ah, Fabio's over here. And I came to be a light, because it's kind of dark where you're sitting, Fabio. I came to be a light, but now you can see Fabio. You can look across the auditorium and see Fabio sitting right here. Oh, now you can't because he's in the shadow again. And Jesus says, I came to be a light. That's what he's describing here, that you are in darkness. You can't see God, and I want to shine. Why couldn't they see God? Well, there was a lot of Greek cultural influence it had changed their morality and what's important. Does that sound similar to our day? Certainly does. There's a lot of cultural influence today. Plays with our morality, plays with our Christian message a lot of times. Gets us off track, leads us in darkness. But there was also religious oppression. There was also in their time religious leaders who were telling people, you don't have any hope of having fellowship with God. You're dirty, you're unclean, you're a sinner, whatever. You don't have any hope. So I guess go on your way. And the message of Jesus is, no, I came to shine a light even for those folks that they might have connection, fellowship, and commune with God. Now, does God capture our hearts? Does he transform us? Does he pull us out of maybe the way we're living and thinking and doing? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not his starting point. His starting point is receiving. And Jesus says, I came that you would be a light. Is there somebody in your life, somebody in your life, and you would describe it as, man, they're living in darkness? Well, guess what Jesus says? I came to shine light for that person. Came to shine light. Now, he's walking around physically when he says this. Now, you know how he often walks around? In you. When you go and you shine the same light that Jesus came to shine. Jesus is going to go even further with this. Take a look at verse 47 here. He says, um, I didn't come to judge. Did you capture that in verse 47? People hear my words and don't keep them. I don't judge them. Does that make sense to you? That's not how we normally think it or read it. Jesus is saying actually this, a couple of things. I didn't come to judge. 
Not even am I going to judge when people reject my words and they reject my ways. Does that, does that hit you weird? Because, I mean, our, our, kind of our knee-jerk sometimes as Christians, if, if somebody is like, yeah, I'm not into that Jesus stuff. I'm not into that Christian stuff. You guys are, I don't know, maybe cuckoo or, or whatever they might describe that. Our, our response sometimes is like, we got to puff up and we got to go to battle now. And Jesus says here, I didn't come to judge you even if you reject my message. That's not why I came. I came, why? To shine light, to help you connect with God. You're living in darkness, and I came to shine a light that you might see God and have fellowship and let God make you into what he designed you to be. That is why I came. In fact, if you want to read just the book of John, just the book of John. Now, you can look in the other Gospels, too. But in the book of John, he, this is the third time Jesus emphatically says, I did not come to judge. I didn't come to the earth to judge. Now, what is our knee-jerk as Christians when some preacher gets up there and says a line like that or somebody puts that on Facebook or social media? Our knee-jerk is to say, well, but there is a judgment, and we do need some hellfire and brimstone, right? And here's Jesus, the Son of God, saying, well, that's not why I came to the earth. That's not why I was here preaching. During those three years when I was preaching, that wasn't my message. In fact, verse 30, or 48, the next verse, puts it in the context of what we get all nervous about sometimes. Take a look at it. Whoever rejects me and doesn't receive my words will be judged when? At the last day. There'll be a day, Jesus is saying. It's coming. The last day when you'll be judged, whether you received or you rejected my words and what I shared and what I taught, whether you rejected that I'm your avenue to know God and I'm shining a light that you might see God and not live in darkness, there'll come a day when that judgment happens. I didn't come for that purpose now. I came as an invitation that people might know God. I hope that's good news for you if you feel in darkness at all, that Jesus came as an invitation, that the church's message is an invitation for you to come and to know God. I hope you understand that for your friends and family that are far from God, that if your knee-jerk is usually to kind of find your way into a judgmental side, that you came to shine a light and to speak. Does that mean you don't call out something? Call out something. Jesus did it. But he always found a way to keep his purpose the main thing. But he says a judgment will come. But let's look at what he says about this. This is interesting. He says, those who reject me or doesn't receive my words. You know what that word receive means there? It's, it's a land term. Um, it's, it's used to describe when you're given land or you take land, like you take ownership of land. Right? So if you bought your house, then you received your house according to this word and how it's written in Greek here. So that's the understanding. So not receive as in, you know, you just, hey, give me something and you get, but I mean, you take ownership of that. So when he says, those who don't receive or take ownership of my words and what I say, you know, if you're a homeowner, when you buy a home, it changes everything in your life. Your address changes. Maybe your weekend projects change right? For many years. Everything changes, right? 
Jesus is saying the same thing here. When you take ownership of my words, you change. Things are different in your life. And if you don't take ownership of my words, there's judgment that comes with that one day in the last day is what Jesus is getting at. I don't know about you. And maybe, maybe everyone in here is a believer already. I don't know about you, but that challenges me as a Christian to think about receiving and taking ownership of Jesus' words when he speaks them. When I read the Gospels and I read something that I go like, oh, good, that's a good Jesus thing. Then I go, no, no, no. The question is, are you taking ownership of Jesus' words there and living that out? And then finally, he says in verse 50 here, to receive me is to have eternal life. Notice how he says that, that, to receive me is to have eternal life. Rarely does Jesus ever put it in a phrase that we would look at it and we would go, oh, that's so clear that one day I'll die and I'll have eternal life. It's always put in this idea that if I would follow him, I have life. And that life is eternal life. It's going to continue all the way past. Death cannot even remove that. And I'll live eternally in that way. And that's what Jesus is saying here. To receive me, to receive my words, to receive this message that I am the light shining you to God, that is eternal life. Because you can have connection and fellowship and right relationship with God. Life that can't even pass death. This is what Jesus is saying. Notice he puts it in verse 50, if you look in your notes, he put it in the form of command. Do you notice he says the word commandment? He's saying this, listen, if you want to be my follower, this is what it entails. This is what it looks like to believe, to follow, to take ownership, to live out my words. So here's the takeaway this morning. This is kind of what, what it looks like uh, from a practical standpoint. Here's the first thing, and this is the belief system side. You, we want to say eternal life begins now. That's super important for you to know that Jesus believed, Peter believed when he wrote, Paul believed, John certainly believed when he wrote. They all believe this idea that when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you can have new life now. And if it's missing right now, the first thing to ask is, what does my connection with Jesus look like? What does it really look like here? Where is my surrender? Is it there where I've offered myself to God? If I say, look, I don't experience that life you're talking about. In fact, the church speaks about it all the time. We sing about it all the time. I see other people go to the altar about it, but I don't know what they're talking about. The first thing to ask is, what does my life with Jesus look like? Like, do I wake up daily and say, today, Lord, I offer myself to you. I want to know you today. Do I open up God's word and say, today, I'm going to read here today, I receive of what you have. Do I say, Holy Spirit, lead and guide me today wherever you want me to go? Eternal life begins now. Listen, today, if you need to surrender your life for the first time or again, The same invitation you've ever heard your whole life in the Christian church is available today in Christ. He says, I come to shine a light. You don't have to live in darkness. I want to invite you again as your pastor. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 25 years. If you need to surrender your life again today to receive this life Jesus is talking about, the invitation is the same. I invite you to surrender your life. You could do it right now as you're sitting there or 
or when I pray in a minute, I'm going to direct you in it. Here's the second thing, and this is more action side. Eternal life is, re- is found in receiving Jesus's words, receiving and taking ownership of Jesus's words. Like that's where we find life in that. It's not just that we sit and we just, you know, shower down Holy Spirit and all of a sudden we're like, oh, this feels like life. This is great. No, when Jesus turns and says, love your neighbor as yourself, I say, all right, that's tough. That's weird, Jesus, but I'm going to go out and start doing it. And as I'm doing that, the Holy Spirit meets me, and guess what? I start to experience, wow, this is better life. I'm not as angry and bitter anymore. I let forgiveness roll off me freely like like I've never done in my life. We start to experience life in Christ. So eternal life is found in receiving Jesus' words. So here would be the question you could ask yourself. What are his words? What are they? What is it he's telling us? What is it he's speaking about? If you don't get in the Gospels, you won't know. So we'll start there, encouraging, read God's word. But what is it? Identify. Here's some things that hit me. My own devotion times. Draw near to Jesus to know God. That's what John has been telling me in my own studies is he is the only way. If you want to know God and be right with God, it only happens through Jesus. Listen, I realize there are even some Christian churches that have moved off that idea of Jesus being the only way. We are not one of them and never will be. I see that in God's word. And so I want to claim that and receive that. And so keep seeking Jesus. Be a light for others. Don't prevent them from turning to Jesus. As a pastor, don't make barriers for people to come and to know God. That's a message he was speaking to me and carrying out his words. Don't make any barriers. Make it easy for people to come and to commune with God. Listen, if you connect with God and God wants to transform or change your heart or speak to you or convict your heart, that's plenty hard. It's plenty hard when God speaks to us to say, yes, God. I will follow, I will follow that. I will walk through with that. As a pastor, I want to be a blessing and walk with you as God is speaking to your heart and drawing you near. Follow Jesus with your actions. That was one that rings so loud and clear to me and John. Follow him with your actions. I guess for lack of a better term, I like as I was reading this and I was saying, you know, eternal life is found in receiving Jesus' word. It was like, well, prove it, Tom. Prove it. What does it look like? in your life. And so I'm looking and evaluating, what do my actions say about receiving Jesus's words? And then here's a final question. How are you doing following them? What does that look like for you practically? How are you carrying that out? When we receive and take ownership and carry it out, the Holy Spirit meets us and it becomes something that it could never be on his own. So Jesus, once again, reminding us, this is why I came. To point people to God. I want to pray with you this morning, and I want to invite you uh, while I'm praying, if you just need to, to quietly take a moment to surrender your life once again, to let maybe the conviction of, of God this morning, and if he spoke to you directly, to say, Lord, forgive me. I want to start putting that into action. I'll just give you a moment to do whatever business you need to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this. Uh, just a brilliant John, halfway through his book, decides to give us a little summary. That's so helpful for us as a reader and studiers of your word. Father, we thank you that you come with a message 
You come with a message that says, I came to offer you connection with God, to be a light, to shine, to be your avenue, to be your help as you offer yourself before the Lord. I didn't come to judge you now. I just came to offer a path and an avenue. But I warn you, one day there will be a judgment. So now is the time to surrender your life to him and to connect with him. If that's you this morning and you just are like, I need to resurrender my life, need to do it now. Or if you need to surrender some action, something that's not in line, can I just give you a couple moments? I'll just give you a moment of silence. You just spend your own time with God. You go ahead. Father, thank you for a life surrendered. Whatever was just said, would you receive it, empower those who spoke it? Would you let them know you still love them dearly and deeply, more than they could know? And now would you walk with them and empower them and whatever they need to put into action? We thank you, Lord, for this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.